welcome to A Latter Day in Europe, episode number two, with your host David Heens and Isabel Heens. Hi Isabel, ready for episode number two of our podcast? Absolutely, I'm looking very much forward to it. Me too. We had several comments and feedback from our listeners for, for the first episode, and everybody was very enthusiastic about what we did. So uh, I don't know, did you get uh, more feedback? Yes, yes, I did. How crazy is that? You know, it just started out as a, yeah, crazy idea, actually. So, uh, but I'm glad to see and to hear that uh, what we've been doing, that it's appreciated. Yeah, indeed. So uh, we have to warn our listeners that this time we are not in one studio. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you are a thousand kilometers away from me. Exactly. You are in Sweden. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, What are you doing up there? Actually, I'm on vacation and um, I must say the weather here in Sweden is very hot. So if, uh, if someone ever tells you that Sweden is a cold country, just please don't believe them. It's, uh, the temperatures are crazy outside. And actually right now I'm watching a wonderful sunset. I wish everyone who listens could, could see it. It's, it's amazing. Maybe we can share... Uh, a picture of the sunset together with uh, the show notes of this episode. Yeah, that would be a great idea. Okay, but uh, this gives uh, us a nice uh, intro for, for our first topic uh, while being on a holiday, because at this time of the year, a lot of people will be on, on a holiday, will go on a vacation or a short trip. Is uh, What about church? Uh, do you love to go To, to church in another ward while you are on vacation? Absolutely. What I love about our church especially is that wherever you go, you feel welcome. You, you know that we're all brothers and sisters and you know there's, you can just enter the building and, and you feel like home. This is really, really amazing if you go to Sweden, America, Or Africa, in a matter of speaking, you know, you, you feel home everywhere. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. I always think like, well, I, I think there, are, there is always a difference in culture. It's always nice to, to taste of this different cultures, also really taste, because uh, sometimes you discover nice uh, new food while on vacation. But what, what I like is then as soon as you enter a church, when you when you learn to, to know the people like brothers and sisters, then within a split second, you have the feeling, okay, this is my family. Okay, maybe my extended family, but this is family. It's, it's always great to, to come home again, even thousand or several thousands kilometers away. Yes, yes, exactly. And what I also like very much, and then especially also for our kids who have autism, is that everything is so predictable, you know. We start, in, in Belgium, for example, we start by singing a hymn, and, and here in Sweden, they do the same thing. And wherever you go, you know, the program and everything is, is the same. So that's why it feels so, so confident, I guess, because you know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. And most of the time we, we find nice people willing to translate for us because, okay, you know Swedish, but uh, for instance, when I'm in Sweden, I have to rely that somebody is translating in English for me. 
Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, we have some lovely friends here in Sweden who who are always willing to help us out. And even though in our own ward in Ghent, we always have the same sister, Liva, she always translates every single Sunday. She's behind in uh, in church translating for everyone who needs translation. That's amazing. You know, I don't know many other churches who do that. Yeah, it's one universal, one global church, everywhere the same. It's like uh, last time we discussed uh, the, the new hymn book that will will be coming that uh, that's also an effort in in uh, having one global program it's the same with uh, with the new uh, yeah the, the new youth program that will follow and because in america they uh, yeah, they said okay uh, we're going to end our uh, long time relation with the boy scouts of america and that's done especially to have one youth program that's universal for the entire church so I really love that fact that uh, that wherever you go, you can find a ward or a branch and you're at home again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, but um, I, I also remember that uh, this week um, we, uh, we had a, a lovely uh, memory built um, by... Uh, going to a fireside. In fact, it was uh, my first fireside that I organized. Um, we uh, we listened to the BYU folk dance group. It's it's maybe crazy to say that you listen to a dance group. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, they they performed several uh, songs in in the church, and uh, earlier that week we saw them dancing. Um, it was amazing, wasn't it? It was amazing. You know, the singing on the fireside as well as the performance they gave in Brussels. You know, what I think is so remarkable about those young people is that they they are so professional. They are so good in singing, so good in dancing, and yet they're only students. You know, they, they study physics, they study literature. And if you see them perform, you think like, man, they must be professionals. And besides that, they are so kind and so friendly. And so, yeah, they, they, they come over and talk to you and they, they're really interested in what you have to say and what you, yeah, and what you do. So I'm, I'm really impressed by those people. And I can only encourage everyone who listens to this, to this, if you have the chance to go and see them, please do it. You won't regret it. No, they are remarkable uh, performance performers. Um, I mean, and the the way they dance, all the the different folk styles, different dances from uh, cultures around the world, amazing, really, truly amazing. And and then they're singing also. But like you say, they are true ambassadors also uh, for BYU because they show uh, their commitment in both studying and and performing uh, that's already a huge commitment especially if you know that a lot of uh, these young people like you said don't do a major in in music or dance uh, but they're also true ambassadors for our church and uh, that's uh, that's one of the things that really struck me yeah, yeah, me too. I remember talking to one of the dancers, a guy, and he said, like, you know, he said, We've we have been doing many performances here, you know, Belgium, Paris, and then Poland. And he said 
the fireside here that you organize is the most important thing we do on our trip. And I, I was pretty amazed. I was like, what, you know, is this more important than, than yeah, dancing for people? He says, yes. He says, because this is our main, um, our main aim. You know, that's what, that's what we're here for, you know, to, to testify about Jesus Christ and to, to bring people to the church. And that was, yeah, it really touched my heart. Yeah, really amazing people. I I was so struck by them that uh, last uh, weekend when when we had the fireside, I approached uh, four of them and asked them some questions. And luckily enough, I had a recorder with me, and I thought, okay, we have to share this with our listeners because their story is uh, is very amazing, inspiring, really. And I suggest that we first listen to this mini interview. Oh, great. Okay, nice to meet you. Maybe we can start with uh, who you are, your, your names, and, and maybe a little bit about yourself. Yeah, totally. Okay. You start off? Uh, my name is Ken Nukaya. Um, I'm... I actually just graduated two weeks ago. I was studying dance at BYU. Um, I am originally from Idaho, but um, have lived the last part of my life, adult life, in Utah. So Utah is now my home. And um, dance really is my life. Um, I'm Emily Allen. I'm from Sandy, Utah, um, and I am at BYU studying human development, and I'm hoping afterwards to get a master's in human development as well. And um, I've danced since I was six, and so it's fun to go to BYU and to learn about other things as well as dance. My name is Camille Enzine, and I'm also from Sandy, Utah, and I am studying tourism at BYU. And I started dance when I was three. I did ballet for a while, and then I did a couple different types of dance until I was nine. And I started Irish dancing when I was nine, and I've done that up until now. So that's me. Uh, my name is Taylin Mann. Um, I am 23 years old. I was just recently married. Uh, Congratulations. To, thank you very much. <laughs> to the mandolin player of the group. Yeah. Um, I am from... Provo, Utah, for the last uh, little over ten years, and um, I'm I'm studying elementary education currently at BYU, and I hope to be a good teacher someday. Wow, wonderful! It's it's amazing. You're all part of a, a dancing and a music group, but that's not what what your studies are. So that's uh, that's really amazing to discover that and uh, to learn that you you study so many different things. Uh, so you're now on a tour in in Belgium and and some other parts of Europe, I believe. Um, do you go often on tours, uh, and, and are the most of those tours in in the U.S., or is this rather regular stuff for you guys to to be some part uh, of the world? So we every summer we go on tour, and just depending on the year we go different places. Uh, this is my third year on the International Folk Dance Ensemble. Um, my first year we went to Nauvoo. 
Um, last year we went to Asia and this year we are here in Europe. So um, it just depends on the year of where we go. However, um, most years we also do during the school year have um, a tour during the middle of our semester for about 10 days. Um, this year we did not do that. But my first two years, we first went to north, uh, the northwestern states in America. And then my second year, last year, we went to Northern California. Wow. It's, uh, it's nice that you can, can visit some, some other parts of the world. Did you have time to visit some things while you were over here? Yeah, we've had a couple of free days. We had a few free days in Paris. And so we've done things. Like, I don't know, we went down the Champs-Élysées, or some of us went to Disneyland, or we had a free day in um, Amsterdam. And then while we're here in Belgium, we'll have a day of touring Antwerp. And I know you pronounce this differently than I'm about to, but Ghent no, no, or whatever that town is called, we'll go see that. <laughs> and then, um, I don't know. Bruges. Yeah. Brugge. 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 <laughs> the most beautiful city of Belgium. Oh, okay. I live over there almost. Oh. Now, um, with with touring around and uh, is is there uh, what do what do you hope to reach? Is there is there a special reason? Is just okay? We can perform, or uh, do you see more in the fact that you that you are able to perform? Well, one of the goals of touring is to not only um, share our talents, but to also teach people about our university and then, and um, our church as well. So we use um, the medium of dance and music to show our love for the Savior um, and to bring people closer to him and to even just introduce them to the gospel in that way. And it's also just a way to educate ourselves about the people of the world, even in the United States are uh, many different cultures. And so as we go to different states, we get to learn about them. Um, and it just expands our knowledge um, and really fulfills the aims of BYU. That's nice. That's uh, that's very nice. Uh, wonderful. Uh, true ambassadors of your university and of the church. Uh, amazing. But um, are, you, are you getting paid for this or is this just... Uh, during your summer holidays, I think a lot of people are wondering. Uh, we we pay for to have the experience. the uh, The university sub subsidizes a large portion, but uh, we still pay quite a bit of money to come on these tours. Okay, now I'm more flabbergasted already. <laughs> uh, okay, that's uh, that's wonderful. Um, did you have time to to meet uh, other? Mormon people here in Europe uh, and and do you think that uh, we European Mormons are are different than than, <laughs> than, than you out of uh, of, of America um, while we've been here we've had the opportunity um, in France we actually had the opportunity to meet with YSA as well as youth on two different nights um, and so we spent time dancing with them and socializing with them. Why is it being young single adults? Yeah. And um, it was a really fun experience to see the strength 
um, of the community that they share with one another, um, especially the YSA members in Paris, because one of them said they there are so few members that they really need to stick together. And so that is why they are all such good friends and why they love coming together um, and why they loved having us come and visit. Do you think you could live here in Europe? I would love to live in Europe. I also have been really amazed by the strength of the members here because it is very different to be a member in a community that is not um, a Mormon-based culture. And so I love the the customs and the differences that Europe has to America. Um, but I'm also very impressed by the strength because it looks extremely difficult. Wow, that's that's nice to hear. And we always think we are weird and that you Americans yeah. think, oh, Mormons in Europe, oh no. Because they're, they're the same as us. That's, I think, one of the amazing things is that they do have different customs and cultures, but the church itself is a custom and a culture. And so that, I think, brings us together when we meet with them, even though sometimes we can't speak the same language. We really are the same in more ways than one, more ways than we know. Yeah. You said different things. What was the most different thing that you noticed? That's a good question. And now big silence. Well, I'd, <laughs> I'd say maybe... This isn't answering your question, but the other way around, I think the biggest similarity would be that um, we we all believe the same thing, and we all um, recognize that because God is our Heavenly Father and that Jesus is our Savior, that um, we can all show love to each other. And I think with that foundation... Um, the differences become strengths, and they, they give us a, a wider depth of um, of not only understanding, but but also ability to love. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that question, um, and honestly, I think the biggest difference is only the language that we speak. Um, as we saw here at the tonight at the fireside, um, we sang in English, but many of the hymns that we sang are familiar to the members here, even though the words are in a different language. Um, and many of the members do understand English. Um, it's the spirit um, that comes with those hymns and with the light of Christ that we carry with us that really brings us together. So really, the only difference that we have, members in America and members in Europe or even members in Asia when we went there, the only difference we had was the language we spoke. That's a beautiful note on, on which we can, we can end this interview. Thank you so much. Thank you for the beautiful music and the beautiful singing. Really uplifting uh, your amazing group to to listen to to watch to see you dance i've seen you dance it's really everybody should uh, be able to see that once in their lifetime so thank you very much thank you, thank you. Thank you.
wow, uh, I still hardly can I hardly can believe uh, the effort that they they put up in their life to uh, to do all this to to travel around the world to perform, but also uh, to uh, share their testimony to be ambassadors of what we believe. Uh, wow, uh, I'm, I, I didn't know that young people uh, at these days were still uh, able to impress me so much. Yeah, I can only agree with that. They're they're simply amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that evening. Some to go to the next thing is that you experienced something that you want to share with us because uh, we talked about this and and you said okay. What are people still willing to do for each other? But you had a very nice experience too that evening. I really had, you know. Actually, it was something that I wanted to share on uh, on a testimony on a certain Sunday. But really, um, I can't wait to to tell you know what happened because it's so remarkable in these days, in these latter days, that people are so willing to help each other and to do stuff for each other. So what happened was that a woman, I actually, I actually didn't know her name. I just know her by, I just knew her by face. Um, she was helping me out that evening, that particular evening. And she was wearing the most wonderful, beautiful shoes. And I just said to her, she's like, I said, Oh my, you know, you have such wonderful shoes. And she said like, okay, what size do you have? And I'm like, uh, 38. She said, try them on. And so I did. I tried them on and, and they fit me. They were wonderful. And she's like, okay, you can keep them. And I'm like, what? I can keep your shoes? She says, yes. I was like, no, I cannot accept that. You know, these are your shoes. You have no shoes anymore. She's like, I don't care. And she walked to her car barefoot. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want that. She's just like, I'm African. That's what we do. We help each other. And I was, I was really amazed. You know, I, I felt embarrassed. I was like, oh man, you know, I, I, I asked for her shoes and she was like, that's what the Lord wants us to do for each other. And I thought like, yeah, okay, but you know, I can buy shoes. I have money, you know, it's not that I'm poor. And, and, and yet that lady gave me her shoes and I was immediately thinking, would I do that if someone would ask something that I was wearing or that I have. And that really strengthened my testimony of humanity, that there are good people out there, that, you know, it's not like, you know, you watch the news and you only see the bad things. And, and you know, the more you see bad things, the more you actually believe that the world is bad. And when something happens to you like that, you know, you can only say like, Thank you, God, that there still are good people out there that they help me strengthen my testimony. And, you know, really, you know, maybe some people will think now, well, they're only stupid shoes. But to me, it was like she gave me her life. It was so amazing that someone you actually don't know is willing to do that for you. You know, that really, really touched my heart. So I am extremely grateful for what she did for me and for the fact that there are still good people out there. And do you think that this has changed something in your life? Yeah, well, actually, yes, it did. It, it, two things, actually, that 
You know, you cannot judge people by their color or whatever, you know, just don't do that. And really there are good people out there. Just don't, don't think negative, you know, in a negative way about certain people. They, they really exist. And they, it really, you know, made me think and made me wonder about myself, you know, would I do that? And I'm sure that, that I will open my eyes even more for people who are in need, for people who maybe, you know, don't have as much as I have, you know, to share, to, I really, I wish that many or maybe everyone in the world could experience what I have experienced. And I'm sure that somehow it will change their hearts. Mm, yeah, it's uh, a touching story. Uh, I think it's a, it's a wise lesson for everyone that, even in simple acts, you can make a big difference. It's not always about the big things, but uh, if you really live in, okay, like if I can make somebody happy with something that I have and I can give away and, uh, or I can do something, even small things for, for other people, that that really can make a difference. And for me personally, why, why I love uh, this story you told me um, is that it's also for me it's all it's also a symbol of the new ministry it's uh, it's not always about big things and big lessons but it is often about the small things and the small tokens of appreciation and love and friendship that really makes a difference and uh, I think that those are the things that we we have to do more that we have to to share more our kindness with other people and if everybody would do that then we are shining our light to others then we can show how important it is to to feel the true love of Christ uh, because the true love of Christ like it is said in the scriptures it's charity and charity is about loving your your fellow man and uh, I think it's it's uh, we often think of charity in in big things. It's, oh, we will be there when there are big disasters and stuff like that. But charity is also in in the really small examples. And what you've just told me is is a great example of such thing. It is, it is. And you know, the thing is that I think everyone is capable of giving stuff away or do something. For example, if I would have like thousand kilos of apples, you know, I would give everyone in the street in town an apple because I have so many of them. But giving something away that you, like in my case, shoes, that you have to go home barefoot. I mean, this is amazing. This is, this, this is for me beyond words, you know, she gave something away that she actually needed. And that's, that's when you feel the, the effort of people. That's that's what still still amazes me so much. Yeah, it's like, uh, and we always think that that in the scriptures, the the the, the stories that we read in the scriptures that that, that are made up stories or that uh, there are big examples given to us. But it, this reminds me of the story of the uh, the widow who gave two pennies uh, as uh, as a fasten or. Yeah, something like that. And that our Lord said to his disciples that of all the people they saw uh, giving money, that her gift was the greatest of all because the rich people 
yeah, they do- donated much, but they didn't feel it. And the widow, she gave all she had. And I think what you told me now is is just a modern version of of such a, a story that that is really resonating in the scriptures. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, um, nice thing to to share with everybody. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is uh, another talk I had with uh, Melissa de Meijer. Um, Melissa, you know her also, yes, I do. Has, uh, has written a book. It's going to be published uh, one of the coming days. Uh, the title is uh, The Songs of uh, You and Me. And uh, I uh, went over to her and we had a nice chat about this book how uh, she came to the idea of writing a book and what it is all about and and stuff like that and what is important in this. And she even gave a sneak peek uh, in her second book she is already working on. Oh, wow. So um, let's listen to that first and share that with our listeners, okay? Okay. Melissa is a great person. I know she'll did a great job with it. Today we have a guest on our show. It's Melissa de Meire. She has uh, written her debut novel and uh, we are going to talk with her about this novel. It's called The Songs of You and Me and uh, we will listen to her to uh, all the reasons why she has written this and what it is about. So welcome very much, Melissa. Thank you. So, Melissa, tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, your family and and stuff like that, so that our listeners get to know you. Okay. Um, So, my name is Melissa de Meire. I am, um, (laughs) uh, well, let's not talk about how old I am, but I'm a mother of four and uh, happily married and I have a very busy life. I work um, together with my husband. We have our own company and I spend many hours a day working. And I enjoy reading and um, and taking care of my children, obviously. And um, yeah, in my spare time, which isn't a whole lot, I like to um, unwind. And the best way for me to unwind is uh, to go for a really good run and to pick up a good book and read. And in the last couple of years, I've uh, discovered that I actually enjoy writing as well. So I've written my first book. Mm, wonderful. So you're into business together with your husband, you say, uh, in the book in the book business? No, we actually um, started a company um, a little over uh, 15 years ago, so almost 16 years now. Um, and we started as a plumbing company and have specialized into doing bathroom renovations. So um, he does all of the um, sales and managing and all of that. And I do all of the finances, accounting, um, human resources, all of the kind of nitty gritty, boring stuff, which is, um, yeah, it's it's a lot of work and it's um, very intense and I enjoy it. But it's um, yeah, it, when you're doing that all the time and working together all the time, it can be very um taxing at times so it's important to have a healthy balance and to have other things going on in life so you're not always working together and always just you know in the business of bathroom renovations and stress 
yeah. No, I can understand. But uh, then you are uh, quite a busy woman um, into business together with your husband and then running around, raising four children uh, and then reading and, and writing. Wow, amazing. Um, <laughs> well, I think most women are very busy and doing lots of things. I, I don't think I'm particularly spectacular doing many of these things, but I like to stay busy. I'm one of those people who doesn't like to kind of sit and think, oh, what shall I do now? I always have too many things on my to-do list and um, and it's nice to kind of prioritize and, and um, pick the things that are most important to do and sometimes kind of pick the things that I really want to do. It makes me um, have to really choose what I want to do and not waste my time on ridiculous things. That's always a good suggestion to, to other people. Don't waste your time on ridiculous things. Yeah. But uh, Well, you have to have some of those moments as well in life. It's always fun to kind of browse Facebook for about 10 minutes and then you realize, oh, need to get on with the important stuff now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I have to keep that one in mind. <laughs> so uh, before you became an author yourself, you were already, uh, let's say, uh, somebody who read a lot of books, weren't you? Yeah. As long as I as I know you and we know each other for a few years, I, I know that you, you read daily at least, isn't it? Yes, I do read a lot. And um, I have um, always, in, well, not always enjoyed reading, but say the last like 12 years, I've been reading very intensely. And um, I like to kind of just escape into a really good book. I enjoy I would say quite a few genres, but I do really need to have that good romance fix because I enjoy like a good love story. And um, and I think in 2015, I think it was, I started my um, blogging website where um, readers could come and see which books I enjoyed and, um, and get reviews from me. But I would mostly also be, um, how would I say, um, it was a place where authors could also find me and where I would um, review for them and sometimes even beta read. I don't know if you know what beta reading is. So if I understand correctly, other writers were asking you to become of one of their proofreaders, yeah. read my book and, and let me know what you think about yes, it. Yes, that's what I was doing. And I really enjoy doing that because um, it's fun to... Um, have you you know have someone um ask your opinion and get involved into the story and kind of see how things develop and sometimes make a suggestion and then when you see the book be published see that your suggestion has been um you know really considered and worked in there and and I really enjoyed that so but, but how did that how did that start? Uh, were you were you were you contacting writers to 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 say, hey, I want to be your proofreader, or did they contact you? <laughs> well, something you need to know about me is if I do something, I always I always tend to go and do something really big, don't I? So what happened was I got sick of reading the same books over and over again. I only read clean books, so books that don't have. Um, like strong offensive language or who don't have explicit sex scenes. So I had a very hard time, especially here in Europe. It's not always easy to find clean books. And so I would go um, and read the ones that I knew that were okay and that I would enjoy or that I would be like, if it's lying around in the house and my kids would pick it up, it'd be all right for them to read. And I was getting bored with reading the same books over and over again or the same authors over and over again. So eventually I thought, you know, well, I'm just going to, 
find other places, like maybe I'll look in Facebook and see if I can find um, groups that have, um, you know, like clean romances and stuff like that. There has to be reader groups, right? So I ended up um, joining these reader groups on Facebook. And sometimes you would see an author that would say, oh, does someone want to read my book and review it? And I thought, well, if someone else can do it, why can't I do that? So I started off really small and did a few reading and reviewing and really enjoyed that. And apparently I was quite all right for these authors. They enjoyed me doing it for them. So they came back and eventually they said, well, you know, you've reviewed for us and they were great reviews. Can you please do some beta reading? And that's how I ended up doing that for a few and a few turned into like eight or nine. And eventually I was doing like somewhere between 80 and 100 books a year, which was a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Wow. So that's how I kind of tumbled into it. Wow. And you mentioned already your blog. Was your blog specifically about this, about proofreading and, and giving the reviews to unpublished books or something like that? It was it was more of uh, like reviews for people who like me who are looking for clean reads. So um, I would just the books that I read, I would review them there. And then people who would come and visit my blog could be sure that the books that were on there were like if you put it in movie ratings were like PG-13. So, you know, kissing and, you know, if they do end up sleeping together, it would be behind the scenes and there would be no bad you know explicit scenes in there so so people who would you know I've heard I didn't even know this but I've bumped into a friend and they said oh I've been following your blog and I've picked up a few books that you suggested and I really enjoyed it so people were actually picking up the books that I was reviewing okay and and this blog is this still going on or is that now on hold now you're writing yourself it's it's slowed down a lot because I was writing. So I would say where I was doing a blog post weekly at one time to sometimes two a week, it's come down to only, I think this year I've only posted maybe five or six because I have been up to my eyeballs in edits and, you know, promotion for my own book and stuff. And also now I've been working on my second book. So, um, no, now it's slowed down. I have at the moment um, been reading again, which is fun because it's nice to kind of just read without it having to be thinking. You know, before I was reading my own book so often and editing and working on that. And that's very, um, it's almost like working, you know, and that's it can get to the point where it's not fun anymore. But um like the other day I finished a book and I was like, you know, a contented sigh, like, ah, oh, that was so fun to just kind of read and not have to think about it and have to write 10 pages about what I thought about it and, you know, run back to my editor about it and stuff. So that was nice. But um, on my new website, which will be launching at the end of the week or early next week, there will be blog posts there also with like the books that I enjoy so that people can still kind of follow the books that I like and so on. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll have to mention uh, the link to the, to the website in our show notes. So um, now you, you are going to publish your first book. What was, uh, what was the trigger to, to write uh, a book yourself? Or um, was there a specific, specific idea that uh, led you to this? Or was it, okay, now I've read so much and I've talked to so many authors, 
I can do it by myself now. <laughs> no, I I did not at all have the confidence that I could do this, but I have my very best friend, Inge, would read my reviews and um, she always enjoyed them and she said oh and you write your reviews in such a fun way and it's so enjoyable to read your blog posts and you know she would always just go on and on about it and I used to always joke like ha 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 and um, and she said oh you know you should just really just write your own book you would be so successful with it and you know people would just really just eat up the way you write and I would just laugh it off and I always said well if I have a really good idea one day I will write a book and um and she just i mean i think this went on for like a year a year and a half and she would just keep on saying it and i would just always laugh it off and then one day i was sitting down and i don't know you know this idea just kind of popped into my head and i was sitting at my computer and i just outlined like a a story a short story i just typed away and i read it to my husband and he laughed because it was you know it had my kind of witty funniness in there and he rolled his eyes and I think he must have thought to himself oh here she goes again with one of her ideas and um and he said yeah sure you know go for it and I kind of didn't speak to anyone about it because I thought yeah we'll see we'll see what happens and I did speak to Inge because she and I are really good friends and um, and she just kept on encouraging me. She said, you have to do this. You have to do this. Just go on and do it. And um, so I thought, well, if she believes in me, I guess I can do this, right? So, um, yeah, I started working on it. And soon I had about five, six chapters. And I sent it to my very, very dear author friend who I, like, trust explicitly. And she's so, so great. And she said to me, she says, this has a story in here. You know, she said, keep on going, keep on working. And yeah, two years later, now there's, you know, a book that's ready. Wow. Wow. Uh, amazing. Uh, so now there is your book, uh, your debut novel, The Songs of You and Me. Um, uh-huh. For uh, If I can call it like this, it's, it's, it's about what happens in, in a fictitious town uh, called Bellbrook uh, in New York. And it's, of course, it's a love story, since you, yes. since you like love stories about Jane and Jackson. But uh, the, the, the title, The Songs of You and Me, is it, is it about mm-hmm. music or what's, what's the theme that, that led to this title? Well, for a very, very long time, the manuscript sat on my computer and I was working on it and it didn't have a title. I struggled so hard to name this book. But what I did have, and this is kind of giving you like insight into how I write. Um, this book started off with a scene and I got the idea for the scene by listening to a song. And because I'm so busy and I can't sit and write, you know, I'd love to just kind of wake up in the morning, have my breakfast, go for my run and then say, mom's going to sit and write, everyone leave me alone and we'll have dinner at that time and that's it. But sadly, that does not happen in my house. And um, so, you know, I could like write sometimes from eight at night till 10 or sometimes 11 or 12, depending on how good I was, you know, in the zone. And, um, and I would just have this song and I would listen to this song and then I would kind of see 
this scene of Jane and Jackson. And then all of a sudden I would be driving one of my kids to one of their hobbies and I'd hear another song and I would see this new scene and it would just kind of pop into my mind. And then I would tell my daughter, okay, take my phone, go to my notes, write this down. And I would have all of these like songs and little scenes and all of it mapped out together. And that's how I got the idea to have each chapter in the book have a specific song that is um, linked to the chapter. And the more I worked with that idea, the more the book be kind of uh, kind of felt more like it was mine. And eventually, I think about probably about six, seven months ago, I decided on, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to stick to this format. I want to keep these songs uniquely to each chapter. And I'm going to call this book, The Songs of You and Me, because this story talks about Jane and Jackson, their past. It talks about them now. And each song kind of shows what's going on with them in that specific scene. And if you listen to the songs and you listen to the lyrics and even like the melody of the songs, you kind of get sucked into this scene so intensely that it just kind of yeah gives you the great idea of what this book is all about. So when reading this book, the, the readers should put on uh, the music then. So you should publish this book together with a CD or something like that. Well, what we do have is um, each chapter has the... Um, the name of the song in there and if you buy the ebook you can just click on the link and it takes you into Spotify in each chapter to listen to that song that goes with the chapter um, if you're buying the paperback obviously you can just you see the uh, the list at the end of the book and in each chapter the um, the song that goes with that chapter and what I've also done because for me that's very important because that's the way my mind works At the end of the book, I've given you the full playlist and I've written why I feel that that song is so important to that chapter. Wow. Because, yeah, I want to kind of explain, like, this is how I saw that scene and that's why I added that. Because sometimes the song is more Jane or it's more Jackson and there's even a small part in the book that's someone else's little song in there. And, you know, then you need to have that little little few sentences of explanation in there. So that's what I've done. Mm -hmm. I think it is a great idea. It's it's more than a book. It's it's an entire environment where people get sucked in and it's it's not only yeah. playing your your eyes and your mind, it's it's also through your ears. It no great idea. So um I've I've read that you you say about the story and Please avoid any spoiler alerts because we want our listeners uh, to go run to the box store or, or download the book on, on uh, whatever it is uh, for sale. But you write yourself that um, Jane and Jackson are two best friends who get a second chance at first love. I was triggered by this sentence. Th this sentence alone <laughs> makes me wanting to read this because I'm thinking, How can you get a second chance at first love? Where does that idea come from? <laughs> yeah, well, Jane and Jackson are um, two, I would say, rather complex characters because of what they have experienced. As teenagers, they're crazy about each other. And I mean crazy about each other. But there is so many reasons keeping them apart. There really is. And throughout the book, as you read, because the book alternates between 
a chapter in the present, a chapter in the past, a chapter in the present, a chapter in the past. And that's how it goes on and on till you finally get to where everything has unfolded and you're in the present. And that's almost completely at the back. There's like 37 chapters and an epilogue. So when you get to chapter 34, I think you've gotten all of the pieces and then it just goes on into the present. Um, but when you read these things, you will see like, okay, we're in the present now, what's going on? And then you'll go back 15 or 12 years and you'll see, okay, what what triggered them then? why it didn't work out and what's happening now and how is this going to fit in now to possibly work out now. So 15 years ago, it didn't work out. We fast forward 15 years and now they're brought back together. How are they going to make this work? Are they going to make this work? Because she obviously moved on with her life. She has a child. He has moved on with his life but they're both single again and are they going to find each other and is it going to work out with 15 years of history between them? Mm, lovely. It sounds lovely. A real romance with, with a lot of background and oh, it's, it's, uh, it is. And then you've got this like fun, witty, crazy sister who's her best friend and his sister, who's kind of like pushing them together because she has her reasons to do this which also unfolds as you read the book to see why she's pushing them together. And, and then you've got this fun six-year-old who's like a six-year-old, you know, she's, she reminds, I mean, when I look at my six-year-old, I, you know, she inspires me to write this six-year-old. So you've got this kid who's popping out all of these crazy words and saying all of these funny things and then just, you know, adding so much of fun to this book. So, yeah. And you you found all this inspiration out of songs, or uh, did did you have other sources to to create this wonderful story? I mean, honestly, um, I think one of the best tips I ever got when I um, was I took like an, an online training about writing, and one of the authors said, she said, listen to conversations, observe people. And seriously, that's the best thing. You know, you can just walk down the street and see someone um, just even staring at someone else and the way that they observe someone else or kind of, you know, checks out another woman or something like that. And it can give you so much of inspiration to write up a scene. So I couldn't pinpoint it down to just the songs. I would say that the songs add depth to sometimes how, um, like there is this one song where I take the song of Imagine Dragons and it, um, his song Demons. And when I unfold all of Jackson's past, listening to that song and the emotion in that, that helped me a lot to write that scene. But it didn't um, give me the inspiration of what Jackson's past was. That's got some of me in there and some of the things I see around me and maybe things I pick up off of social media. I, you know, it's just everything around you that you just kind of pack in there. So, yeah, it, I, I couldn't say it's just the one thing. But um, yeah, it's it's just fun because like even working on my next book, um, I yeah, I was just eating a, a piece of candy and I was like eating that piece of candy and I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun scene. And then I just take down a few notes and all of a sudden you've got four or five pages of a scene 
just by picking up a piece of candy. So I don't know where it comes from. It just comes sometimes. And when it comes, then you need to write it down. That's uh, being an author all about, I think. Uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> so th this book is, is clearly a love story, a romance. So um, am I uh, a, a chauvinist male pick when I say this book is, is intended to, uh, to women only? Um, well, I would say that the main group would be women, but when I finished the book, um, I thought to myself, I said, okay, who is one of the most critical people I know who could read this book and kind of break it down for me and tell me what I need to change after I had done, you know, I mean, rewrites and editing and stuff, but I gave it to my husband and I said, okay, give it to me straight because he will give it to me straight, right? He will you know, he'll say like, you know, you made a good, you did a good job, but, and then he'll tell me what the but is. And so I gave it to him and I kind of sat and waited and thought, uh oh, what's going to happen? And um, he is a man who is not a fan of romance and all of those female-y type of things. He uh, read the book and he actually really enjoyed it. And, um, and he was pleasantly surprised. He said he didn't like all of like the kissing scenes and stuff. He thought that was a bit like, Oh, you know, but um, but he liked like the, the feelings and the emotions and the theme of second chances. And there's so much in there. You know, it's not just let's fall in love. There's like um, facing um, your fears. Um, there's also like, um, you know, their past um, things, the way it's been described of, of putting things behind you. Um, facing the problems you have now, all of those themes that are in this book, um, you know, it, it can kind of really be open to just about anyone who likes to read. So he li really liked it. And I, I mean, there were many times when he was reading it that he just kind of like laughed out loud and that we were kind of like, her. and then he was, oh, I'm just reading your book, you know, let me read, which was quite fun for me as an, as an author to kind of see someone enjoy the book like that. So his main, shall I say, synopsis of it was he was very pleasantly surprised and he really enjoyed it. And two, three days after he was finished, he was like, I'm still kind of thinking about the things I read, which for me is a good sign. That's uh, that's indeed uh, because I wanted to ask you, you uh, without giving a spoiler alert, what is the main reason uh, you should say to people why they sh uh, have to read your book? But I guess that you already have given a, a good reason. Uh, if if your husband likes it, then uh, yeah, okay. A lot of other people uh, will also. But is there something that you say, okay? If I have to say this in, let's say, five sentences, this is if I would review my book and and be the reviewer and and post this review on Amazon, uh, what would you say? Okay, people, read this book because um, I think I would say, oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I would say read this book because I think um, it deals with a few difficult subjects that. Um, you know, it's one of those books where you would, you will smile, you will laugh. Um, you might even shed a few tears because of the difficult subjects and the way that it's kind of like, um, like an onion, you know, there's so many layers and the more you open up the layers, it might kind of hurt when you get into the really core of it. But then there's such a hopeful message in the book. And, um, yeah, 
So how can I put all of that together in five sentences? Let me think. Ooh, um, yeah, it's difficult, I know, but sometimes it's it, very difficult. Sometimes a difficult <laughs> question is also nice on our show. Yes, it is. Um, I would say um, you should read my book because it will probably um, kind of take you on an emotional roller coaster um, of, of highs and a few lows. And then eventually it will give you that really kind of nice feeling of, oh, I've read a nice book and it will keep me. Um, you know, kind of make you really content at the end of it. So that was that's that was also my aim. And I have read this book, let me think, I would probably say at least 50, 60 times because of all of the rereads and editing and everything. And still when I sit down and I read through the scenes, I still kind of smile and I'll giggle at the funny parts. And I still feel like I love this book after going through it so many times. So for me, it's still a winner after, you know, all of this, reading it so many times. So I would say it will be definitely one of those books that you'll read and not say, yeah, fine, I've read it and that was it. No, it will be one of those ones that will stick. Okay, I'm sold. Uh, <laughs> so um, you mentioned it already that that uh, you're, you're quite busy. So I guess that you, a uh, lot of authors go on a writing retreat but uh, that was not the case for you. You, uh, when I, I think I, I read somewhere on your Facebook that you did the writing most of the time at on, at your kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, I would kind of um, wherever I could, I would write, but um, mostly at my kitchen table, and um, and then we had like a desk put in in our living room, which was amazing because that would. Um, you know, when dinner was ready, I wouldn't have to kind of clean up and then shove my stuff aside and put the dinner on the table. I could kind of leave my laptop and my books and stuff out and um, and then go back to it at night. So I usually do my writing um, just in the middle of the chaos in our house. Um, and uh, I have had moments when I have been ill and in bed and that I've still snuck the laptop in my bed when I'm supposed to be resting. I mean, when you're a mom, you never get to rest. But sometimes my husband will send me to bed and say, you've got a fever, you need to rest. And then I'll kind of sneak my laptop into the bedroom and I'll kind of, you know, tap away at the keys and still write. And I tell you then is when I do some of my most amazing work because everyone leaves me alone and the last time I was ill, I did like 11,500 words in two days. That's amazing. So I don't mind getting sick and having the laptop in the bed with me. But um, that doesn't happen often, So, which is also a good thing. But yeah. Yeah. So we can at least say that this uh, book was written under some kind of fever. Uh... <laughs> no, that's actually the second book. The second book is that, no, is was when I was like, ill and that's like now it's going a lot smoother and then you know I the second book is is um I wouldn't say it's a continuation of the first book but there's a, a character in there that um, I always felt when I added her to the book that she gets a very small little scene in there um which isn't a very nice one but you know, I always felt she needed to get her redemption story. So book two is her story. And um, yeah, I'm writing all of that now. And um, and I feel really strongly about that because that is, has got a few themes in there 
that are very personal to me and are very um, important to me. So I have been uh, very dedicated to that. And my deadline is also by the end of the summer, middle of September, I want to have that book done so that by the end of this year, I can publish that book. So you are you are publishing your uh, your book on your, on your own, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow, writing a book, publishing it. Uh, you are you are indeed an entrepreneur woman. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I actually did consider um, the route of going through, um, you know, finding a publisher and stuff. Um, and I I found someone who was interested in publishing my book and uh, she asked me for more I sent her more and uh, she was interested in offering me a contract but by then you see I'm very um, when I decide I want to do something I go out and do it and by then I had already invested quite a bit of my own money in getting my um, book published so I thought well you know it's going to be have to be one whopping contract to get all of this you know my return on my investment so i decided i'm just going to see this out and continue on the route that i have done and we'll see for the second book what i'm going to do but for now i'm going to i think i'll continue on the route of self publishing okay and and did you get uh, along the way did you get a lot of help of the the authors you helped in the past yes i did there are two ladies who um helped me uh, i mean i couldn't i could never thank them in as as much as you know how much they helped me they did an amazing job um i have this one author friend and i can send her um my manuscript and she will send it back to me and sometimes her notes are so brutal that you kind of have to take like an hour or two sitting down on a chair and you kind of need to who you exhale and kind of say okay this is for my good but her feedback is amazing she has helped me so much i would say that um a lot of her help and feedback has um made me confident enough to go out there and pursue this and my other friend she has been my friend the longest and i mean we trust each other and every time something happens i'll email it to her she has um, always believed in this story always believed in me she always encourages me to keep on going on about it and she will be a little softer in her feedback and she will always say like okay um you know maybe you can consider this maybe you can consider that and and she will have the softer approach but she is also have given me um amazing feedback and she has also both of them have helped me um you know figure out how to get published how to do that then i've also had i've reached out to a lot of my author friends and um and one has even video conferenced with me and helped me um find other contacts on how i need to um you know get my book out on amazon and so on and so on and then i've had another author friend who's um, helped me find a good editor and you know there's this really great author community that is uh, very supportive very helpful and it's been nice that even though i'm not published yet they've kind of taken me under their wings and helped me out i've only had one nasty experience early on in the beginning which i mean pales in comparison to all of the amazingly great experiences i've had so far so wow that's great great yeah great. these are amazing women and you know it's it's wonderful to call them my friends mm, wonderful awesome so um yeah you and i we are both mormon and 
people will be wondering, uh, has your faith something to do with this book or is this is this targeted on a Mormon audience or do you say, okay, no, it, it's really, it has nothing to do with it. Okay, it's a clean romance. You already said that's important uh, for you. Uh-huh. But uh, is, it, is this targeting to, to this specific community or is it broader than that? Um, I would definitely say it's broader. What I struggled with as a Mormon um with like finding clean romance is um what i don't like and i'll repeat this again i don't like is picking up a book and people think clean romance means you read a book and it necessarily says oh we believe in god let's read the bible i do not like that in my books i don't i don't like um there having to be a religious um current in there if you understand my meaning um, I think if I want to get religious um, nourishment, I'll really go into my scriptures and all of that. But like the the um, Christian kind of romance, I'm not a huge fan of that. And I don't think I've ever really been a huge fan of that. Um, what I would say about my books is um, I could never have written this and never have done this without the help of my Heavenly Father. And um, like even in my dedication, he's like the very first person I thank because it's been amazing to feel that in the limited time that I have and um, with such little experience that I have, I have felt my Heavenly Father standing there with me every step of the way and helping me through this. And that has been a huge testimony builder for me. But other than that, there isn't anything in my books in which I would say that it has a, a spiritual kind of meaning in there because I like to keep it kind of broad to everyone. Um, on my website, there is like, yes, I'm a Mormon. And yes, there is a link to the Mormon website because that is a huge part of who I am. And if you want to get to know me better, then yes, take the time and figure out what I stand for and what I believe in because. That's important to me. But no, that will not mean that I'm going to kind of put that into my books. Unless, I don't know, maybe if there's ever once a theme that it will really need it. But at the moment, I don't see that happening. Okay. Yeah. So you, you said you already had feedback from your husband, from your best friend, from some others. But now it's going to be published and out in the public. Are you nervous about the, the feedbacks and the reviews of others? Um, so far I'm okay, but it isn't next week, Monday yet. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I've had, what happens is, um, some, you send, well, how do I explain this? You have advanced reader copies and that means that you can send your book out to other book bloggers and then they can read it. And then on the day when your book comes out, they blog about it and say, oh, I've already read it. You know, it's only coming out tomorrow, but haha, I've already read it. And this is my review. So it's gone out to a few of them. And I'm very eager to hear what they have to say, because book bloggers are people who read, you know, anywhere between 50 to 100 books a year. Um, maybe even more than that. So for them to compare my book to all of these others they've read through the year, it'll be interesting to see what they make of it. Um, I had one book blogger actually come back to me and said, "Um, I don't want to review your book because it has flashbacks in it. And I hate flashbacks, which is quite interesting because as I emailed it out to her, I explained to her specifically that it has a chapter in the present, a chapter in the past. But I guess maybe she didn't understand or get 
that when I explained it to her. But it was nice of her to say, like, look, I'm not going to review it because I don't like that. But she will um, post about my book. So that was kind of like when that came, I was like, oh, and my husband was like, oh, you better get used to it because, you know, you're going to get negative reviews. So I'm prepared for it. But I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. We'll see when it happens. Will you be an author that 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 is easily contacted? So will will you be on social media where your readers yes. can can go in discussion with you or let you know what they what they felt about the book? Yes, I am on um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, so I'm, you know, you can contact me. Um, I even have like Pinterest boards where you can see like my inspiration for my books and stuff, because I, as a reader, always thought that was really fun to see that in other authors, you know, being able to send them like a Facebook message and, um, have them contact you back. This is how I have met like, um, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 of my author friends through Facebook. And I have always appreciated that they would, you know, answer me back. And and this is how some of my really good friendships have developed with these people. So I think, yeah, sure, my, I mean, my fans, if I ever get fans, which would be great, um, I would think it would be great to hear from them and see what they think of the book and if they enjoyed it or not. And um, yeah. I would love to hear from them. Okay. And how can people find you on, on the internet? What's uh, what's the best address or do they have to Google or what's the best way to find you? I would say Facebook. I'm on there as Melissa de Meire. And um, I mean, we can maybe put all of the links in your notes here um, hey, we'll at the that, end. Of course. So that they can find me. And um Yeah, I would say that's the easiest way, I would think, because Facebook is instant messaging and they can always email me as well. So that's fun. Okay. And so you mentioned it already, and so I can mention it again. You're already working on, on a second book. So uh, uh -huh. that's uh, that's daring. Before you know, if your first book is, is going to be a success already going for the second book. So uh, And that's going to be published in December, you said? Yes, well... The second book is, um, as I told you, there's this one character and um, she doesn't have a very nice entrance in book one. Um, but when I was writing about her, I, I mean, I think this was way back when, probably two years ago. So in when I had this idea for book one for the songs of you and me um, and I had this character Ainsley, I knew that, look, this is where I'm taking her in book one. But this cannot be her end. This cannot be the only thing that is written about her because I'm a strong believer that everyone needs a second chance or at least as many chances as they need to get it right. And um, and then I started, you know, kind of thinking about it and so on and so forth. And I got this um, really good idea of how I could kind of um, tell her story and also talk about something that's very important to me. Um, when I was, uh, almost 16, I lost my father and, um, and he committed suicide. And, and when you're 16 and you lose a parent, that's hard, that's brutal. But when you lose your parent in such a way, that's, I would say, I assume, especially harder. And, um, so for me, it has been very therapeutic to write her story 
and um, add the element of suicide in there. So the story starts out as an attempted suicide, which goes wrong, and she lives through the suicide. And then it kind of deals with depression and, you know, the failed suicide attempt and all of that, and turning that into a romance story. So that has been interesting and challenging and therapeutic for me. So... And for me, it's very important to have this book out in December because um, um, December is, you know, like it marks the birth date of my father's death. So I'd really like to have it out by then. And um, and I just want to, you know, kind of write for the people who um, have struggled with those feelings or people who struggle with depression or who struggle with feelings of, you know, I've made a mistake and now there's no other hope for me because I do feel that even though you've made a terrible mistake, you can make that right again and you can go on and find happiness in life again. So that's kind of my idea of why I'm writing this second book. Wow. Already looking forward to it. It's, uh, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps of, of, of your story, Melissa. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for being on our show uh, today. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people will, will be looking forward to read your book. So it's uh, both available as an uh, e-book and, and in hard copy, I guess. Uh, e-book and paperback. Yes, it is. Okay. So we'll mention the links where they can, can order it. Is it on Amazon they can order it? Yes, it's on Amazon and it's the Amazon.com and then here in Europe on the .fr and .de and .nl, I think, is the ebook as well. So Okay. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll put all the, the links in our show notes so that our listeners can enjoy it. Melissa, thank you so much. Congratulations with your debut novel. I think you have created a masterpiece And I'm sure that you will get great reviews and that you are now at the start of a successful career. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Amazing woman, Melissa. I can't wait to read her book. It's... Uh, It's, it's maybe not, uh, like she said, it's maybe not directed to, to men. But, uh, yeah, I think I would read this, uh, this love story. Uh, I don't know if you are going to read it. Of course. You know, I'm, I'm not a reader. But, you know, if friends, we have a few friends writing books, you know. I think um, I, I'm always willing to do an extra effort, you know, to read those books. Just not because they're friends, but... I think you, you you can know, learn to know someone better, you know, because the books there were once in their heads. And um, yeah, it, it's good to know and it's nice to know what your friends have been busy with. So uh, I'm for sure. And I'm sure, as I said, Melissa is a wonderful lady and I'm sure her book will be amazing. I don't doubt about it. The, the way she has written it with, with songs as a team and And always a moment from the past and a moment from the present. I think uh, she did uh, a wonderful job, and uh, we'll we'll share the the links in our in our show notes. And uh, of course, when later on when we when we know more about her second book, we'll uh, we'll keep our listeners informed. Absolutely, absolutely. Go go, Melissa. Okay, I think uh, we have. Uh, wrapped another episode for uh, a latter day in Europe. Yep. 
So um, I would suggest to our dear listeners that they um, encourage us to go on with this podcast by going to uh, iTunes, for instance, and give us a nice review. Give us please, please give us five stars. That uh, makes it uh, easier for other people to discover this podcast uh, or uh, whatever program you use. If you use uh, other programs, give us a star or something. Um, also in Stitcher, uh, please also share this podcast with other people. We are just uh, beginning to build uh, by building an audience and we can use every help. And of course, uh, don't hesitate to uh, leave comments on our website. If you have any questions, uh, leave it also in the comments or send us a note uh, at uh, via email, for instance, at podcast at letterday.eu. Uh, we love your feedback. And um, yeah, until uh, next time, we, we say goodbye. Goodbye. Be serious. <laughs>